0: Let's <laughs> go. So I am not easily impressed, but I will tell you the people who impress me. It is those of you, some of you are this way, it is those of you who have an uncanny sense of direction. You impress me so much. You know who you are. You're the people who it doesn't matter where you find yourself. You know how to get to where you want to go. It's just you can blindfold you and spin you around ten times. And say, point northeast, and you somehow always know how to point northeast. It just blows me away. I'm so impressed by that. I have a friend like that, that we have traveled all over the United States together. We've traveled to a few different countries in the world, and it does not matter where we go. It's like he just has this intuition, this sixth sense about him that can go, yep, that's exactly how to get where we need to go. We were in a little town uh, called Jeffrey's Bay, South Africa one time, in the middle of South Africa. We'd never been there before. Small little town. And at night, when we had arrived, they had pointed out this breakfast place and said, in the morning... You guys should walk from your hotel over to this breakfast place, and you should get some breakfast. So the next morning, we got up, and I had no clue how to get there. And I looked at him, and I said, do you have any idea where that place is? And he said, oh, oh yeah. And he just pointed that direction, and sure enough, I followed him, and he was there. I hate the guy. I really do. He rubs it in all the time. I, on the other hand, I do not, some of you are going to be relate to me, I do not have an uncanny sense of direction. I am uh, maybe the person on the planet who is most grateful for GPS because I hate getting lost, but I used to get lost all the time. And I don't have to worry about it now, but I cannot do what he does. I cannot do what some of you do. This is a little embarrassing to admit, but one time a buddy of mine and I, we, this is how bad it was, we spent two hours searching for a car in a parking garage. That's how lost I get at things. I'm like, I know the car hasn't moved. How can we not find this thing up and down every floor anyway? It was a miserable, miserable two hours. But that, that is me. But because I get lost easily, and I've done it plenty of times, I feel like I'm a little bit of an expert on this. So I want to share with you four truths Of Getting lost four truths about all people who get lost and I've noticed maybe you have too if you're in a relationship It's almost like people who never get lost end up with people who get lost, which is probably a good thing But then those of you who have an uncanny sense of direction You get so frustrated at those of us who get lost. So this may create a little sympathy in you for the rest of us Okay, here's what you need to know about us. Number one. We don't get lost on purpose It's actually very difficult to get lost on purpose I'm not really sure how you would even do that. We're never doing it on purpose. You look at us and you yell at us like we did it on purpose, but we did not. Number two, we're lost before we know we're lost. If we knew when we got lost, we would immediately turn around and be unlost, okay? So this is true for all of us, isn't it? You, You don't realize you're lost until you're way lost, and then you know you're lost, and then it takes a long time to figure it out. Number three, men go faster when they're lost. Ladies, I just threw that in there for you, okay? And number four, we wind up where the road we're on ends up. Isn't this true? We always wind up where the road we're on ends up. Now, this truth is why I am certain, I am confident that you have the ability to predict your future. You don't have the ability to predict the future, but you can predict your future, and I can predict my future a lot of times in a lot of circumstances, and it's because of this idea. It's because we always wind up where the road we're on ends up. And you have had plenty of moments in your life where you have ended up somewhere, and then you have said to yourself or thought to yourself, "Well, I should have seen it coming. I should have known." And you begin to go back, and you realize, "Oh yeah, I was. I've been on this road the whole time. It's been going this direction the whole time. I should have seen it coming. I ignored all the clues. I ignored all the signs, all the road signs. They were there. I should have seen it. I should have known this is where it was headed." should have seen it coming. I can't believe I missed this. This is also why you and I have looked at friends many times and gone, oh my gosh, you should have seen that coming. I can't believe you're so shocked this is how it all ended. You you should have known this is what was going to happen, you know? You've been on this road. You've thought this about friends. You've been on this road for a while going in this direction, and we all tried to warn you. We were hanging signs over the overpass going, pay attention, this doesn't end well. You ignored it all. You just blew right by us. You shouldn't be shocked. You should have seen this, coming. this is why I think we all have the ability in a lot of areas of our life to predict our own future to some extent. Because we always wind up where the road we're on ends up. It's just the way that it works. And that's why last week I introduced a principle to you that I call the direction principle. And the direction principle simply says this. That decisions determine direction. Decisions determine direction. And whatever direction that you're going has a very predictable destination. Now, if you weren't here last week, there were a couple things about principles that I said that you need to understand. One is, this principle right here is always going to follow you through life. You don't have to worry about, well, I guess I should follow that principle. Nope, that's not the way principles work. Principles follow you. You don't have to worry about applying this principle to your life. This principle will apply itself to you whether you want it to or not, and You can ignore it to your own demise, or this is the great news, and this is what we're going to talk about today a little bit. You can leverage this principle like any principle. You can leverage it for your own benefit. If you ignore it, it will eventually break you. But if you decide you're going to maximize it, it will ultimately benefit you. This principle is always going to be true for you. You cannot dodge it. You cannot avoid it. It doesn't apply to other people and not apply to you. Because... We always wind up where the road we're on eventually ends up. Now, that being said, this principle applies not only to your life, it applies to every area of your life. This principle is going to apply itself to you financially, and relationally, and professionally, and morally, and spiritually. It's going to apply itself to your dating. It's going to apply itself to your marriage. It's going to apply itself to your parenting. It's going to apply itself to all your friendships. It's going to apply itself to your career, to your school, whatever you've got going on, to your character. This principle shows up in every area of your life, and yet, in different areas of life, it really is easy to get lost, isn't it? It really is easy to get lost. And you're like me. You have ended up somewhere... And then said to yourself, well, I never meant meant to end up here. You've ended up somewhere and then looked at a friend and gone, but I never intended for this to be how it turned out. I never intended for my marriage to end up in this place. No, no, that wasn't my goal. I didn't expect to be here. I didn't intend for it to happen. I didn't intend to not have the grades and the qualifications to get into that program. It's always been my dream to get in that program. I don't know what to do now because I never intended not to be able to get in that program. I never intended to end up with this much debt and financial pressure. Like, that wasn't my goal setting out. I never thought I'd end up here. All of us have found ourselves ending up in certain places and then going, whoa, 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 whoa. But I never intended to be here. And what you need to understand is this. Your intentions don't matter that much. So I want to edit this principle for you a little bit. I want to add this phrase. It is decisions, not intentions, That determine direction. You can intend all the things you want to intend, but it is decisions, not your intentions, that determine your direction. You know this because you're like me. You have had some really good intentions in the past that did not come true in the present. Isn't that true? In other words, you're some places in your life right now that you never intended to be. You intended to be somewhere else, and you always said you'd be somewhere else, but you're not right now. And just as that is true, guess what? You have some intentions today that are not going to come true for you in the future. Because it is your decisions, not your intentions, that determine your direction. And whenever there is misalignment between your decisions and your intentions, whenever there is a disconnect between the two, then you are going to end up wasting seasons of your life. It's going to end up costing you something. Now, in the role I'm in, I hear this all the time when people start telling me their story or tell me what they want to have happen. I hear it when the person looks at me that's single and they start talking to me about, "Hey, here's the kind of person I want to marry one day." And they start going on, "I want them to have this kind of character and this kind of integrity, and I want them to value the things that I value, and I want them to be somebody who follows Jesus. I want them to be somebody who values church and faith and family." And you know, they start telling me all of this stuff, but then they will say, or but then their actions will say even though that's what I want one day, that's that's my goal, that's my intention, right now I'm just going to go ahead and date anybody that I'm attracted to, and we'll work that out and figure that out as we go along. Well, there's your disconnect. You got intentions that point you one way, but decisions are taking you an entirely different direction. I hear it in the person who looks at me and says, I want to have a really strong family. I mean, we have a dream here. We, we, We dream for our family to always stay close. When when the kids get old enough to be able to leave, we want them to love us so much that they want to be, come back. They want to be a part that, you know, this family's always going to stay tight. And we want to make sure we spend a lot of time together and we create memories as a family. And, you know, we got this small window and they talk about all of these intentions and dreams they have. And then they say, but right now I'm in a season. You ever said this? But right now I'm in a season where I've just got to work a lot and I've got to travel a lot, so I just can't be home. I'm, I'm not going to get, be able to be home much, but it's just a season, and eventually we'll go back to... Nah, No, no, no. There's your disconnect. There's your disconnect. For all of us who have ever said, well, this is just a season. Let me help you out. A season has a defined finish line. It does. There's seasons for things. But seasons always have a very clear finish line. This is a short season where we're going to have to do this. But here's the finish line. And when we hit that point, we are going back to doing what we have always said we wanted to do. When you don't have a defined, clear finish line... You don't have a season. You have a way of life. And for a lot of us, we've been saying forever, but it's just a season, and here's what I intend, and here's what I dream, and here's what I hope. But right now, it's just a season, but that season just keeps rolling and rolling and rolling. It's not a season. It's a way of life. There's a disconnect there. I hear it whenever grandparents, I hear them talking about, you know, they've got new grandkids, and they're like, oh, I'm so excited. I want to stay healthy, and I want to stay active to, you know, enjoy these grandkids for as long as I possibly can. But then it's like, but I'm not going to eat healthy, and I don't have time to exercise, and I don't want to have to mess with all that, and I'm not going to quit smoking because that's just too difficult. I'm like, okay, well, there's your disconnect. There's your disconnect. Intentions, decisions, they're taking you two different directions. I hear it when people talk about finances and the financial pressure they're under, and they're going, I got all this debt, but I want to get debt-free. And our plan is we're going to be debt-free. And when we get debt-free, then, oh, man, all that stress will be off, and we'll be able to, and we'll be able to. But then they always follow it up by saying, but right now, and there you go, there's your disconnect, but right now, I don't make enough money, but right now because of the way things are, but right now because of everything going on, I can't do that. We're going we're gonna to have to keep using debt right now. I can't, I'm not going to tell myself no right now to be able to pay off that debt. I don't want to have to give that up right now, so when we get more money, we'll pay off. It'll be down the road. You got intentions pointing this way, but decisions are taking you a different way. There's a disconnect. Same thing's true. I can't tell you how many times I've had somebody tell me this. They've looked at me, and they've said, Matt, and I guess it's because of what we do as a church. I don't know. They start talking about how generous we are as a church, and they say, Matt, I want to be more generous one day. And they start telling me all the things that they want to be able to do one day. And then they always say, but right now, we just don't have enough to do it. And I'll immediately, and sometimes if they catch me in an honorary mood, I just tell them. But normally, I just keep it to myself. But I immediately think, well, there's your disconnect. You're never going to be generous. You're never going to be generous. And when I tell somebody that, they're like, no, 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 no. I want to be generous, and one day we're going to be generous. And I'm like, no, you're not. Because if you're not willing to look in the mirror and tell yourself no right now so you can say yes to somebody else, if you won't say no to you to say yes to something or someone bigger than yourself right now, you'll never do it. You're only going to be as generous tomorrow as you are today. I don't care how much money you drop in your lap, and I can give you a thousand examples I've seen of this. doesn't matter how much money you put in your lap. You will only be as generous with it tomorrow as you are with it today. If you can't say no to you today, you're not going to say no to you tomorrow. There's a disconnect. Same thing's true. uh, Parents sit down and talk to me about their kids, and they're like, hey, we're... We just want to make sure that we raise our kids well. We want to raise them in church. We want to make sure they have these certain values. And we want to make sure when they get to be teenagers and when they get to be college students that they don't walk away from church and they don't walk away from faith. New parents to our church will sometimes be like, hey, you tell me what y'all are going to do to make sure this doesn't happen. And I just kind of chuckle like, what are we going to do? We got them in an hour a week. You live with them. What are you going to do? You know, like, We're going to do our best to help, but what are you going to do? And what they tell me is, well, Here's the thing. Right now, they're involved in so much stuff. we got so much stuff going on in our family. We can only get to church about once a month. This actually happens sometimes where people say, what are you going to do, do, do for our kids? And we say, well, here are the things we do for our kids. Here's where you need to get them every week. And they go, oh, we can't make that. I'm like, well, don't look at me. Like, you, you're telling me you want this. That's an intention. But then you can make it to church about once a month. What do you think that's telling your kid about the value of faith? I don't care what you say. I don't care what you say. Your actions speak way louder than your words. Again, it's just a disconnect. Your decisions are taking you in a different direction. I could keep going, but we're all uncomfortable by this point, so I'm not going to do it, okay? Because, come on, come on. Because it's true for all of us, isn't it? We are all guilty in some area of life of having this disconnect between our intentions and our directions. And some of you are sitting there thinking to yourself, how did he know? How did he know? We were just talking, you know, how did he know? Somebody telling, I had a friend of mine, uh, maybe two, three weeks ago, they were in service. They had something big going on in their uh, family, in their life. They hadn't even told their kids. It just, he and his spouse knew. And I got up here and started talking about something. And he, he said, he, he told me, he said, it was so right on what we were dealing with. that He said, I leaned back in my chair and looked behind my kids because they didn't know. And I looked at my wife and I said, did you tell Matt what was going on? No, she didn't tell me. She didn't tell me. She, he, she was about to be in trouble. She didn't tell me. You know why I can talk about this and you go, oh, crap, how did he know? And it gets so uncomfortable. I'll tell you why. Because you are unique, but your story is not... And your road is not. Now, for some of you, this is the worst news ever. You're, you're mad at me already. But I'm telling you, listen, you're unique. You are, you are. You're, you know, you're as unique as you want to be, whatever. Your story, your story, it's not, I don't want to rain on you entirely. Your story is not unique. The road you're on is not unique. And some of you believe it is. And you know how I know you believe it is? Because you watch all your friends making decisions and you go, oh, I'll tell you how that's going to turn out. But then you make the decision and you have convinced yourself it won't turn out that way for me because I'm too smart for that. It's not going to turn out that way for me. This is just a little detour for me and then I'm going to get back on the right road. This is just a quick little detour. We're going to have some fun or I just want to do this because it's too hard to do the right thing. Or, you know, I've been working so hard. I deserve it. I think I should get a break, you know. So I'm going to take this detour. But I'm going to get back on the right road and it, it won't happen to me. What happens to everybody else will not apply to me. You actually believe that's true. And I'm just telling you it's not true. The reason I can predict your future and the reason I can, you know, unpack all of those different scenarios and you're like, how did he know? How did he know? is because you are unique, but your story is not, and your road is not nearly as unique as you think it is. There have been millions of people who have made the decisions you're making. and There have been millions of people who have traveled down the road you're traveling. And they all ended up in the same place, and you are going to end up there, too whether it's good or bad. Now, if you don't believe me, I'm going to take you back 2,900 years. King Solomon, who was the king of Israel at the time, is writing some of his wisdom down for his sons. Now, Solomon's known as one of the wisest people to ever live. Last week, I told you a wise person is a person who understands that all of life is connected. That what happened in the past shows up in the present, and what you do in the present is going to show up in the future. That's what makes a person wise. You see that all of life is connected. Here's the thing about Solomon. You need to understand this. You can be wise and still not apply your wisdom. That was Solomon. Solomon had all this wisdom. He didn't apply hardly any of it. He made a mess out of his own life. One quick example for you. He ended up with 1,000 wives and women. That's enough lack of wisdom for anybody, right? There was no way he was going to win at that. We could go on and on with the examples. He had wisdom in all kinds of areas, but he wouldn't live out and apply his own wisdom. But he wanted his sons to understand, and he wanted his sons not to do what he did. Dads, have you ever been like that with me? It's like, do as I say, don't do as I did, whatever you do. Matter of fact, I'm not going to tell you what I did. I hope nobody tells you what I did. I just want you to do a different thing because I did what you're going to find out I did, and I know where that road goes, so don't do it. That's kind of where Solomon is, all right? So he tells this story to his sons to illustrate this principle that we're talking about. And in this story, there are two main characters. I want to go ahead and explain this to you up front. There is a naive young man and a seductive married woman. These are the two characters in his story. Now, ladies, lean in for just a minute because I don't want to lose you and I don't want to offend you. The point of this story is not that all women are seductive. Clearly, there's plenty of proof that's not true. The point of this story is also not that all men are naive. There is not as much proof to deny that, but we're going with it, okay? That's not the point of the story. Here is the point of Solomon's story I'm going to tell you up front. Here it is. Often what is intended as a detour is actually a decision with a predictable direction and destination. This is the point of Solomon's story we're about to read. That often what is intended as a detour It's when you and I go, listen, I know I should be going that way, and that's what I've always said I wanted to do. That's my intentions. But i tell you what, I just want to take a detour real quick. This is how we think about it. I just want to take a break for a little bit. I want to take a detour. I know I've said we we want to be debt-free, but, man, I really want that. And just this once, it's easier if we just put it on the credit card and we'll pay it off over the next few months. And you treat that like it's a quick detour, and then you're going to be right back on the right path. Oh, yeah, 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 I want, I want to make sure my kids value faith and everything, but this summer, gosh, we got so many fun things we can do this summer, so we're just going to take those summer off from church, then we'll bring them back in the fall, and it won't cost us anything. It'll be fine. We're just You treat it like it's a detour. We, we all do this in different areas. Solomon's point of this story, i just tell you up front, is that no, no, no. What you intend to be a detour is actually a decision that's moving you in a different direction. And you think it's going to be easy just to whip right back on the right road when you're ready. But it's not going to be that easy. There are going to be some pain and consequences involved. It's going to cost you something. Because that direction leads to a predictable destination. And the further you go down that road, it's not that you can't get back on the right road. It's just the more painful it will be and the longer it will take to get there. You think, oh, this detour is just going to cost me a little time and money. Solomon goes, no, no, no. I want you to see it's going to cost you a lot more than that. So let me read you the story, and then I'll share with you the bottom line from the story. And I got a question to ask you that I hope you will spend some time answering this week. Here's the story. At the window of my house, Solomon says, I look down through the lattice. So Solomon is in his palace. He's up in the upper level. Maybe he's on the roof. We don't know. But either way, he's looking out a window, and he's paying attention. He's people watching, all the people down on the street. Walking around. And he says, I see among the simple, I noticed among the young men, a youth who had no sense, which sounds very insulting, doesn't it? But another way to translate that is to say a youth who had no judgment. Now, if you are younger and you're sitting in here, if you're a high school student, college student, you're in your 20s, here's the thing you need to understand. This is not an insult to you, but this is reality for you to some extent. You know how a person gets judgment? The only way a person develops judgment is through time and experience. That's it. So the younger any of us are, the less judgment we can potentially have. The older we are, the more judgment we can potentially have because the more time and experience we have. Now, real quick, I am not saying that older people have more judgment and more sense than younger people. I'm not saying that because we've all known some old people who are fools, haven't we? So it is not a direct correlation, but time and experience gives you the opportunity to develop judgment and common sense. So Solomon's looking down and he says, I'm watching this young man. And I know because he just hadn't had enough time and experience that he doesn't have a lot of judgment. He doesn't have a lot of common sense. And it's about to get him in trouble. Here's what Solomon says he watches happen. He was going down the street near her corner. Well, who's her? You're going to see in just a minute. Walking along in the direction, there's our word, of her house at twilight. As the day was fading, as the dark of night set in. This is Solomon's way of saying, I'm watching this guy walk down. I'm thinking, oh, no, no, no. Wrong place, wrong time, wrong direction, dude. Wrong place, wrong time, wrong direction. And you and I know this from experience. Anytime you have wrong place, wrong time, and wrong direction, wrong things happen, don't they? It never turns out well. Solomon's watching this. And he, can, he doesn't even have to know everything that's going to happen. He can just tell. Wrong place, wrong time, wrong direction. This is not going to end well for this young man, but he doesn't have enough time and experience and judgment to be able to see it for himself. And here's what happens as he's walking. Then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. And then Solomon steps out of the story to give some description or characteristics to his sons he says she's unruly and defiant her feet never stay at home now in the street now in the squares at every corner she lurks she took hold of him he jumps back in she took hold of him and kissed him and solomon says with a brazen face she said and i'm just i'm gonna pause right here and just go ahead and apologize because what she says next is r-rated and it's a little embarrassing to read in church but i'm gonna go ahead and read it because it's there and if you brought your kids or your students in here and you're getting all nervous, I'm sorry. We've got lots of great environments for them. I understand you got a reason to have them in here. Just do what my mom did one time, just for the next minute, okay? When, and I don't mean to pick on my mom. I love her to death. But my mom, she is the sweetest and in some cases most naive woman you've ever met. When we were kids, we were in New Orleans for the first time. And about, oh, I don't know, 8.30, 9 o'clock at night, as we were getting ready to head back to the hotel, we'd been driving somewhere, my mom looked at my dad and said, Robert, I think we should drive down Bourbon Street so our kids can see it. Yeah, you, those of you laughing, you've been to Bourbon Street about 9 o'clock at night, haven't you? She was so naive, she had no idea no idea she just thought oh it's it's you know we've always heard about it let's drive down it and so we started driving down bourbon street at nine o'clock at night and very quickly my mother freaked out and started turning around screaming from the front of the minivan kids put your heads down kids put your heads down to which we did and then we peeked out the side window you know some interesting things a kid i've never seen that in hickman county before it was a new experience so if you're here and you got kids, just, you know, heads down for just a minute. You know, you can cover their ears because this is, this is a little embarrassing to read. Here is what this woman, this seductive woman, says to this young man. Okay, you ready? Today I fulfill my vows and I have food for my fellowship offering at home. What a pickup line. You're like, wait a minute, that's not, I know. Can, what in the world does that even mean? You're expecting something to come out of her mouth and it's not that, is it? So let me translate real quick because this actually was a pretty good pickup line back in 2,900 years ago. Here's what she's saying to this young man. She's saying, I'm a good Jewish woman and I've been to the temple today and I've already done all of my fellowship offerings and taken the food and offered it and all of this. I've already done all of my sin offerings. This is important. Hey, I, I got with the priest and I did my sin offering and basically she's saying, I had a bucket just full of sin that I took to the temple with me. I had filled that thing up last week. But I did my sin offering, and this is how she thought it worked. I just dumped my, my bucket out, and it's empty now. And I got another week before I have to go back to the temple. And I'd hate to go back with an empty sin bucket because then the priest wouldn't have a job, and we don't want to put him out of work. So, hey, young man, how about you come to my house for a little bit, we got a few days to fill up my sin bucket. It was a sexy pickup line 2,900 years ago. I wouldn't try it today. And then, and then... She says this, so I came out to meet you. I looked for you, and I found you, and he's going, are you kidding me? I'm just walking down the street with all my buddies. You weren't looking for any, you just looking for me, not them. No, no, I wasn't looking for them. I was looking for you. You're the one who caught my eye. You're the one who I've been watching. You're the one who I've been paying attention to the last few weeks, and he's thinking, of course you have, because I'm pretty good at looking, and I'm one in a million, okay, and he's starting, you know how guys do, you know, it's like we're naive young men, so we're, so he's, he's starting to fall for this, he's feeling really good about himself, he's thinking, I am one in a million, of course you came looking for me, and then she continues on with her pitch, she says, I've covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt, I've perfumed my bed with myrrh, alloys, and cinnamon, which again, we're like, whatever, but in those days, this was a big deal. Because in those days it was very difficult to practice proper hygiene. In those days, if you could get you a bath every now and then, you were doing lucky. Uh, you were lucky. Basically, everything in those days stunk, and everybody in those days stunk. Okay, it was just normal. The only people who had the privilege of practicing proper hygiene were the wealthy. They were able to buy perfumes. They were able to have these fancy linens from Egypt. They were able to, to create a, an environment in their home where they could enjoy the luxuries of hygiene and others couldn't, where they didn't have to smell that smell every single day. And so she's looking at him, and she's going, I've been watching you. You work hard. And I know you don't have enough. You're just young. You don't have enough. But I've got a lot of luxury, and I want to share it with you i got a lot of luxury. I've been watching you. Why don't you, because you deserve, you deserve, you deserve. Why don't you come and spend a little bit of time with me, enjoying all the luxury and all the wealth I have? It's just a diversion from all your hard work. It's just a quick little detour. It'll be fine. And she goes on. She gets pretty direct. Come, let's drink deeply of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. And then Solomon continues. He says she looked at him because she could read his mind, which probably wasn't hard to do. And she says, well, my husband is not at home. Oh, yeah, yeah you knew I was married. But don't worry about him. Because he's gone on a long journey. He took, his, he took his purse. Maybe that explains all the marriage trouble they were having. I don't know. I'm going to guess that was lost in translation. For the sake of this guy, I'm going to just say he took his wallet, all right? He took his wallet filled with money, and he's not going to be home till the full moon. Now, this was her way of looking at him and saying, listen. I know you're worried because I'm a married woman, but you don't have to worry because I've taken care of everything. There will only be consequences if we get caught, but we're not going to get caught. Hey, I want you to know this is just a detour. This isn't a direction. This this isn't going to... You're not going to pay the price for this forever. No, no, no. This was her way of saying... You can go down the wrong road and still end up in the right place. That's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to go down a wrong road, but it's just a quick detour. We're still going to end up in the right place. We're going to make a wrong choice, a wrong decision, but don't worry. It's not going to lead us in a wrong direction. We're still going to end up in the right direction and at the right destination. The story continues. Solomon says, with persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. And all at once he followed her. Of course he did. But then Solomon describes what happens very differently than we would expect. He says all at once he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierces his liver, like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. And I can imagine Solomon's son sitting there going, Dad, good grief, you're being dramatic? What in the world? Like, okay, we've seen people do this, but it's not that bad. Solomon says, oh, yeah, it is. Oh, yeah, it is. No, 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 no. See, this guy, it's just a detour. It's just a quick diversion. It's not a big deal. Solomon goes, nope. It's not true. This is going to cost him more than he knows, and this is going to cost her more than she knows because they may be unique, but their story is not, and this road is not, and I know how this ends because it ends the same way with everybody. So Solomon says, now then, my sons, listen to me and pay attention to what I say. You do realize that wherever you give your attention is the direction you begin to move. You do realize that, don't you? It's always true. You will always move in the direction of your attention. So it's important that you pay attention to where you give your attention. That's what Solomon is trying to tell his sons. Just pay attention. This is so important. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. No, no, no. This is a one-night thing, Dad. To which Solomon go, no, it's not. This is a path. This is a road. It's not a detour. It's not just a diversion. It's not, oh, I deserve and I've worked so hard and we should have a little fun and then we'll get back. No, no, no. This is a path. He goes on. Many are the victims she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Now, I don't think he's talking about this woman necessarily in particular. I think he's talking about this road now. This road, these decisions, these choices, they lead to a very predictable place, and there have been many, many, many who've gone down it. They all end up in the same destination. He's looking at this young man who's walking down the street saying, oh, I think this is a good thing to do tonight. And he's going, no, 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 you need to understand. You feel like you're one in a million. You're actually just one of a million. You're unique, but your story's not, and your road is not. Solomon then says this. Her house is a highway. Oh, wait a minute. Again, this is just a one-time deal. psalmist says, nope. Every decision you make puts you on a road. It puts you on a highway. And in this case, this decision is putting you on a highway to the grave, leading you down to the chambers of death, which was his way of saying there is a severe price to pay when you walk this direction. Solomon's point for you and me, it was this that we will win or lose by the road we choose. This is true for you. It's true for me. We win or lose by the road we choose. And you can't beat it. You know other people can't beat it. It's why you can predict their future so well and why you say, of course it's gonna turn out that way. What do you mean you're surprised? You you should have known. But then you and I deceive ourselves and think we're smarter than that, and we've got more control than we've got, and, well, I can manipulate and orchestrate the outcome of this, and I can make it turn out in my favor. It's not going to get me. It gets everybody else, not me. Solomon says, nope. We win or lose by the road we choose. Now, the good news is you can win by the roads you choose. If you will take this principle that your decisions and not your intentions determine your direction, if you will use it for your benefit, and if you will use that to make decisions to put you on the right road, you're going to win. You're going to win every time. Because certain decisions have a predictable destination that is always in your favor. It's true. Life's really, in some cases, not as difficult as we make it seem. This is Solomon's way of saying, all you have to do is make the right decision today and then manage that decision every day after that. Okay. You want to be financially free? It's not rocket science. How about, and you already know what the decisions are, how about you just make the right decisions that are going to move you in the direction of financial freedom? Well, what are those? Well, just decide every time I get paid, I'm going to give first because I I need to develop generosity. I'm going to save second because I need to set some aside and reward myself later, and then I'm going to live on the rest by developing a spending plan, a budget, and I'm just going to live by that budget. And I'm going to get rid of the credit cards. We're not going to keep swiping those. I'm just going to tell myself no whenever my budget tells me I'm out of money. It's Actually, the decisions are pretty obvious. And then you spend the rest of your life waking up every day just managing that decision, saying, I'm going to live by that decision today. I'm not going to veer off. I'm not taking a detour. That's how you experience financial freedom. You want to have a great marriage one day? Again, it's not rocket science. You just make some decisions today that you live out every single day. I've got to carve out some time every day to communicate with my spouse. If we don't communicate, we won't connect. We'll start drifting. I've got to carve out some time every week or every other week to go out on a date together so that we can reconnect and spend some time uninterrupted. I've got to carve out some time every few months to get away together, every year to go on a vacation together, like whatever those things are. You can come up with those decisions, you know what they are, but then you have to manage them every day. You can't say, well, well, well we're in a season right now where it's okay, I don't, we don't have to do that, and we'll just forget about the date nights, and we'll just forget about this, and no, I know we can't, we're just not going to talk for a while and connect, and we'll, we'll catch back up. No, no. It's not the way it works. Because those seasons become ways of life. And then you end up somewhere you never intended to end up. And you say, well, this isn't what the kind of marriage I expected to have. This isn't what I intended to be true of us. But it's your decisions, not your intentions, that determine your direction. So you can win by the road you choose, but you know this from experience, and so do I. You can also lose by the road you choose. And you will not be able to outsmart this principle. It works for good or bad for all of us. And every time you have an intention to end up here, and you make a decision that takes you off course from that intention, then you're in trouble. You're going to lose. Because decisions beat intentions every single time. And when you have decisions that are misaligned from your intentions, you are setting yourself up to waste entire seasons of your life and to cost yourself dearly. So, Here's the question I want to ask you, and here's the question that I know this is a bit naive on my part, but I really wish, just because of how powerful it would be for you, I really wish you would do what I've been doing, and that is you would carve out a little bit of time to answer this question this week. Do your decisions line up with your intentions? I would love for you to carve out a little bit of time this week and think through every area of your life, and ask yourself this question. When it comes to my character, here's the kind of character I say I want to have. Are my decisions reinforcing that and moving me in that direction? Are they lined up or are they misaligned? Here's the kind of dating relationships I want to have. Are my decisions lining up or misaligning with that? Here's the kind of marriage. Financially, parenting, relationship with my kids, relationship with my friends, whatever it may be, career. Are my decisions aligning or misaligning with the intentions and dreams that I say I have. Now, let me tell you why this is so powerful and yet why it's so hard to do and why I realize a lot of you are going to struggle to do it. Because this requires you looking in the mirror and being honest with yourself. And it's a lot easier to say, nope, here's my intention, here's what I want, and keep making decisions that are taking you a different direction. And you don't have to deal with it, you don't have to own it. Because when time somebody points it out, you just say, well, this is just a season. And that's your excuse, and it makes you feel good because you know, well, I, I intend, I intend, I intend. But again, it's your decisions, not your intentions that determine. Your direction and ultimately your destination. So you should spend some time asking yourself this question. Are my decisions lined up with my intentions or Am I saying this is what I want, but am I making decisions that are taking me somewhere entirely different? You owe it to yourself to know that and to admit that to yourself. Because if there is a gap, if there is misalignment, it will cost you, there will be a price to pay down the road if you don't change it. And you can't just say it's a season. Because you're treating it like a detour, but it's not a detour. It's a decision. It's moving you in a certain direction. Now, if you ask yourself this question, or for some of us, we don't even have to ask. We just immediately know, oh man, that's what I'm doing right here. What do you do when you find yourself misaligned? When your intentions say this, but your decisions say that? Well, I want to invite you to do what Jesus asked you to do. Jesus says whenever you have a misalignment between your intentions and your decisions, he invites you to make a different kind of decision. Here's what he invites you to do. Repent. Repent, to which you're going, oh, great, okay, here we go. This is church, and now I'm going to feel guilty and on. No, 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 no. We have, we have so misused this word in church. You know what the word repent means? Literally, what it means in the New Testament? Whenever Jesus said this word repent, here's all it meant. To change direction. That was it. Jesus meets you wherever you are, on whatever road you're traveling, in whatever direction you're going, but he doesn't show up and meet you there to condemn you. He shows up and meets you there to offer forgiveness to you, and then he looks at you and says, would you please follow me and repent? Would you please follow me and change direction? Because you're going down a road that you don't even want to end up where this winds up. So would you just turn around and follow me? Because I'm going to show you the road to the life that I created you to live. I'm going to show you the road to the life that you want to experience. I'm going to show you the way to your intentions coming true in that area of your life. But you've got to change direction. You just need to follow me. To which you may go, well, why in the world would I follow him? Well, you tell me. Any God who's willing to step out of heaven and lay down all of his power and glory and step into a human body and live on this earth and show us what it looks like to live life and go down the roads and make the decisions that we need to make, and then any God who would die on a cross and rise again to pay the penalty for all of our sins and offer us forgiveness when we go down wrong roads, why would you not trust that God enough to follow him? I'm not really sure what else he could do to convince you. That he's not out to condemn you. He's out to help you. And he's looking at you, going, just follow me, just follow me, and change direction. Now, the struggle for many of us, and you know this, is that we get started down the right road and we get distracted. Some of you are thinking, I don't know, I've tried it and I've tried it and I've tried it and I just keep getting distracted. I've tried it and I've tried it and I've tried it and I keep taking detours. Or I've tried it and I've tried it, but I ended up so far down the wrong road, I just don't even know that I can get back. Because distractions are a real thing. So what do you do to keep from getting distracted when you're on the right road? How do you avoid all the detours that are there? Well, we're going to talk about that next week because there is a tool That will help you avoid all of those distractions and detours. This week, I just want you to ask yourself where are my decisions lining up or not lining up with my intentions? And be honest with yourself. And then have enough courage to change direction. Everybody may not approve, everybody may not agree, your ex may not understand. Your friend may not get it. But you're on a road with a very predictable destination. And if you don't like where the road you're on is going to wind up, you got to change your decisions. You are unique. Your story is not. Your road is not. You will end up where everybody on that road ends up. So choose your road wisely. Let me pray for us. Father, this is one of those things that, quite honestly, it's a lot harder to do than it is to talk about. I mean, it's, it's not new information. It's common sense to us. We get it. We see it in the lives of other people around us all the time. We go, yep, that's what's happening there, and yep, that's where that's going to end up. Yep, they should have seen it coming. But then when it comes to us, it's so hard to look in the mirror and own what we're doing. So would you give us enough courage to do that, enough courage not to deceive ourselves, enough courage not to make excuses, enough courage not to hide behind, well, this is just a season, or it's just a quick detour, I deserve it, and I've earned it, and it's okay to have a little fun, I'll get back on the right track. Would you help us to at least be honest enough with ourselves to acknowledge, nope, this is a decision that's taking me in a direction, it's putting me on a road that's going to wind up somewhere I don't want to end up. We owe it to ourselves to at least acknowledge that. And then, Father, my prayer would be that you'll give us enough courage then to accept the invitation of Jesus to repent, to change direction, to begin to follow him because he will lead us back to the right road. And he will lead us to the place where our intentions and our decisions align. Thank you. Jesus, for caring about us so much that you would be willing to show up on this earth and show us how to live life the way we want to live it. And then thank you for loving us enough to die and rise again to pay the penalty for all of those times we've walked down a wrong road. All of the consequences that we've created between us and our Heavenly Father. We're so grateful you don't show up to condemn us, you show up to forgive us. And he show up to invite us to follow you, to help us to have enough wisdom to do that. And it is in your name we pray. Amen.